0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of Stories from the Christopher Shore. This is episode four. Grill, gri- son of a bitch, uh, grilled salmon and rice warriors. I'm leaving that in. <laughs> so today, it is April seventh. It is just over a week away from the Alberta provincial election on April sixteenth. For those of you who don't know, the reason why it sounded like I only said April on the uh, last episode is because I mistakenly said April 14th twice in the um, editing process. And I decided I'd better just delete the 14th and just say it's happening in April. It, I didn't want to give false information to anyone who's listening to me going to vote on the wrong day. Although, please do vote. Um <sighs> Let's put it this way: Democracy exists because populations are voting. The only problem is, is that most democracies exist because a majority of a small section of the population actually votes. So, if sixty percent of the population votes, and our first past the post um, issue, like in Canada, we have first past the post. So basically, whoever gets the most votes out of the entire, um, you know, out of out of the entire population wins. The annoying thing about that is and I want this to be very very carefully talked about. This is it means that with vote splitting and various other means, you have a way of completely completely uh you know a t- tyranny of the minority happening. It's very possible to happen. Now it hasn't happened yet in Canada but it could very well happen. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but again, it could happen eventually. <laughs> so, I I was just going to I was going <laughs> to talk about that, you know, get up on my soapbox and give a little bit of a political speech and I think I I still will. Not political speech, but like just give my opinion on what's going on, mostly cuz I'm seeing this on my friends and various other people I know on Facebook are giving Opinions about the upcoming election, and I understand why people are saying what they're saying. I just feel like a lot of it is, in a way, virtue signaling and justifying to a group of people who maybe you disagree with. You're going way out of your way to say this is why I'm voting this way, and writing paragraph long conclusions or pithy, uh, you know, you know, Instagram like messages with f uh, whoever, and I've. (laughs) I understand why people do that, because our attention span is very short in a lot of cases, although the people who are writing paragraphs, good on you, but it's mostly justification reasons. I have not decided how I'm going to vote, and I am not endorsing any candidate, so for those listening to this, I'll try to be apolitical. As a libertarian, I really don't have a party in this race, so it sort of comes to the point of, if I decide to vote on the 16th, it goes to what platform I think is closest In economic and in civil uh, goals, towards what I personally believe. And it puts it in a hard position because conservatives uh, like Jason Kennedy, he's much more of a culture warrior than I'd like. Not that Rachel Notley isn't a culture warrior and is farther to the left of me. Um, The Alberta Party seems to be the centrist group, but I I just, where I hear they want to get government involved, I don't trust them. Alberta separatist movement is just worthless, because unless we have Manitoba through to BC, there's no point in separating, because we'll just be absorbed into the United States, and then we become another province, uh, we become another protectorate until we become a country, a state for them, so it's kind of worthless. Anyway, let's just go through this, so one of my friends, uh, Jeff, one that you haven't met yet, um, he's, uh, I think he's a little bit older than me, I, uh, you know, I keep up with him on Facebook only. He posted um, on Friday, if you've been on social media for the last week, you would think that the NDP are socialists seeking to destroy Alberta's economy and that the UCP are racist bigots that will oppress anybody who's not a white male. And then followed up with, <laughs> go outside, talk to people and have, have a good time. Politics aren't the only important thing. Or, or You know, I'm basically paraphrasing and putting my own words in there. But essentially it was... We need to calm down about this. It's not like electing Jason Kenney from the people who have the LGBT and so on, so on, that he's going to suddenly oppose gay marriage. He's going to suddenly like close down clinics, cut you out of stuff. The, the NDP do grab this history of him doing stuff of, as a policy advocate in the federal government as well as other places fighting against that. But I, I think things have changed over time. It's really hard to be a radical cent uh, right winger in Canada now. It's not too hard to be, become a radical left winger. And when I'm talking about left and right in Canada, we are our center is considerably more left than the United States is. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say considerably; a little bit more left. And where our center is is not as far left as most of Europe is. Although Europe changes and fluctuates, so who knows? Anyway, the thing is, is that. There are fringes uh, of crazies on, on both the NDP, which does actually have its base in socialism. It's a democratic socialism, but again, socialism comes through democracy as a you know peaceful way of eventually getting the goal. But there are no real democratic socialist countries out there. There are countries that have socialistic systems... Subsystems of their entire country, but don't actually have full socialistic capabilities in it. As an example, um, Sweden, Norway, and Finland have various socialistic events. Such as uh, Canada has a socialist health care system, so did they. But they have noticed that they have scaled back their socialism to increase their capabilities and have privatized various sectors for the benefit of their population. And it's actually turned around; their economies turned around when they were more fully socialist it actually caused considerably more problems for their countries. Because uh, that was back in the 70s and 80s when their countries were actually slumping. And the reason for their slumping was actually because of, um, well, uh, the end goal was it was because of their country not having very efficient, um, a very effective economy and very tied-down economy because the government was the controlling force of this. So there's that and, you know norway the the Scandinavian Nordic countries have their own way of doing things, and you also notice that they're they're a smaller territory, so it allows them to concentrate um, power. Um, they do have a bit of independence in the local districts, and the and people there spend more time concerned about their towns and municipalities versus the federal, but the fed's federal government still there is quite important. Canada we're much more spread out, so municipalities really do have a much more control and it's very hard for Ottawa to respond to what's going on in Alberta, even with the internet and instant communication technologies. Because if you're responding to something in Alberta, then you have to respond to something in Quebec and you have resources traveling all over the place. You've got a very large amount of area you have to cover in a very short amount of time, which is why smaller countries in Europe are more effective at getting to socialism because you also have a, I wouldn't say a shared value. I'd say that you have a much more uh you have more conformity throughout your total values like alberta and saskatchewan are much more independent uh growing people because if you're growing up on a farm that's 3 hour that could be a 3 hour drive from the closest uh medical center you're going to be a lot more independent than if you're living in a metropolitan city such as toronto where you're at no point in time less than 10 minutes from a major hospital um and police force like there's all these things that you're going to actually think of if you're living out in the bush, um, out in the boonies, or you know, off the grid if you're really crazy, but if you're living away from uh, urban centers, uh, far enough away you start thinking of contingencies for events that happen that people in the city, such as myself living in uh, Montgomery, uh, Calgary, would not view. Like I'm not going to spend all this time worrying about fire department, because the fire department isn't too far away from me. The ambulance is just down the street from me uh a hospital's just up the hill from me you know there there's various things that I'm not going to take into account but if I was living let's say 45 minutes um west of Cochrane in a um you know a treed area that literally takes 45 minutes to drive out of and get to Cochrane and I have the I have minimal cell phone service uh, at all I have uh, no internet very little TV I have uh you know basically all I have is power and I might have a landline phone but, if I'm, but I have no cell phone surface, so let's say I'm out walking and a tree falls on me. Unless somebody comes and gets me, or hears me, or I'm close enough, or the wound is not bad enough that I can actually travel back. Now that's added time to the response, because I'm going to have to then get back to my place of my dwelling. Hopefully my family will have found me before I'm getting all the way in. Notice I was gone, come and helped me, found me, drove me back, tried to treat my wounds as best as they can with the skills we probably would have a considerably better uh, medical kit at, at a place uh, in a farm or a ranch away from civilization than I would have in my house in Calgary here. And then they'd have to call, and it would be a decision, um, based on my criticalness, could the ambulance get out here fast enough and then take me back, knowing that it's an, 45 minutes to get out here, it might take them five to six minutes to load me up and 45 minutes back to uh, to Cochrane at least to the medical center there, and if it's bad, it may have to be ambulance me to Calgary, which is another twenty to twenty to thirty minutes drive. or it might be a decision do we fly the ho- the uh, star's air ambulance out and pick you up, which has a dramatic reduction in time, but it is more expensive and it also requires um, it does require somebody on the ground to make that decision. It's not just. You call nine one one. Nine one one makes that call. They need to get somebody out there, and the closest might be a a twenty five minute away, um, RCMP officer. So now you've added twenty five minutes. He has to get there. Hopefully, he has enough skill to make that assessment. And the EMS is probably on their way, and the EMS might make the call that they can stabilize you there. Uh, that the air ambulance can get its way out there and back, as opposed to them loading you into your ambulance. So there's there's stuff like that. Versus in uh, urban centers where it's like, oh, I, I got hit with a nail. I can, you know, a board fell on me, and I can just call my cell phone, or somebody else on my job site has a cell phone, can immediately call. That there is a degree of um, dependency, and um, logical dependency that happens, which is why if you're working in a warehouse alone, that's a concerning event, because if you're working in a warehouse alone and nobody knows you're back there, if something goes wrong, you are effed. And I know this from working at one of my dad's previous companies that we had a big warehouse that I worked in. And you would, every 10 to 15 minutes, you would definitely go and see the supervisor just because it was safe. And the supervisor would also walk around, make sure everybody's safe. If you've got a 300,000 square foot warehouse, you got to be constantly looking for your employees because. Some of them could be dosing off, some of them could be listening to music and not doing their job. Somebody could have fallen off a ladder, or a pallet jack, or got hit hurt in their leg on a pallet jack, or fallen off a stock picker, and if you don't know that, you have a delayed response, and that puts their lives in danger and puts your ability to respond to it in danger. So there's this various things to talk about, and this is why um, I'm bringing this up, because of how, how it's hard for uh, Ottawa to really effectively respond to issues in... Alberta as well as in Quebec and Toronto, and how there's different um, mentalities in ourselves, uh, depending on the province we live in. Not saying that there aren't people in Ontario, in the province of Ontario and Ottawa and Quebec who don't have the independence that Alberta has. It's just Alberta seems to be more founded on this frontiermanship and ontario was and quebec were founded on these like vast colonization efforts by the home country which was considerably always sending supplies we're always coming we're this is a this is a nation building effort and versus uh out west where it became much more of a homesteading and you you're on your own y- you get the land for free if you can homestead it but we're not gonna but you have to do everything for it and it is at that level of independence that makes um makes the human spirit out here a little different than it would be in East coast United States. I bring that up because we're talking about the NDP and, uh, and the UC and the United conservative party and the United conservative party is definitely a center right organization, but it's not that far to the right. Uh, They do use government ability to government uh, coercion to support the oil industry more. And they are more anti-government union And I can understand that economically, it doesn't make sense for, you know, government jobs used to always be um, in the U.S. specifically, and uh, a little less so in Canada, but more visible in that now was that government jobs were seen as a um, as a way to how do I say this? Like they were guaranteed work. It's like very hard to get fired from a government job, but you're not going to get rich on it. And now it's turned around to you can get government jobs pay pretty well, and also it's very hard to get fired from. Not the, uh, not the best, uh, I'll say this, not the, uh, not the best way to, um, to fully go and do, uh, stuff like, how how am I thinking about this? Fuck. Um, my train of thought has suddenly just disappeared for some freaking reason. Oh yeah, so you weren't going to get rich working in the government, and now it seems that you're paid a bit more. Not saying it, it's crazy, but you are definitely seeing more of a payment uh, than you used to be. So as we as we watch uh, various uh, events happen, and and we see how Alberta is reacting to this, and the annoying thing is. Um, the groups on both sides are making these really, really stupid, ah, do this, do this, blame you, blame this, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just kind of disappointed about how uh, how this is happening. Uh, how the people who uh, support the UCP, maybe they don't even support Jason Kenney. They, maybe they're they're like me, where they think Jason Kenney's maybe a little bit of a... Something's off about him. I I mean, he, he's been in Ottawa for 20 years as a member of parliament. I just... I feel like he's too much of a culture warrior for me to actually get uh inside and and be, get behind and support. But I I don't like Rachel Notley cuz she's also she's more left-wing than me. She she spends a lot of time um doing these really annoying uh culture warrior things as well. Now, some of them I I have n- absolutely no problem with. Like if she wants to dance in the gay pride parade, perfectly fine. But that's not really an accomplishment. That's just something you do um like in one of her ads on youtube it's like uh ziplining like a boss on uh on the at the calgary stampede and it's like well i can take that zipline too and record myself with a handicam yelling just like she can that doesn't make me uh right for being premier and there are various other things like uh saying she cut the deficit well the deficit is what you're spending this year and how much you're losing versus debt Um, Cutting the deficit does not mean you're cutting the debt. It means you still have a ridiculous debt. Uh, Speaking of which, what is Alberta's debt right now? Let's just look that up. Alberta debt. Let's see what the Alberta debt is right now. (laughs) Uh, We're currently on track to have a $95 billion debt. Um, Let's see. We're at fifty-seven right now, fifty-seven billion dollar deficit, and me as an Alberta citizen, and this is made by the dot so this is a more right of center organization, that's uh, anti uh, you know government wasting money, but according to that there's uh, it's thirteen thousand four hundred ninety one dollars and counting, four hundred and twenty dollars and counting uh, debt. And the Fraser Institute will also have this. Now these are right center and center right organizations. But you see, if you have a debt that could very well get to um very well get to a very high deficit. Uh if you you have a deficit and uh you think that you can fix your debt problems, it's pretty bad. Like uh okay. So yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're on track uh, based on current spendings. Now, granted, this is, uh, when was this article written? This article is from 2000, 2018. Um, March, it looks like most of the citations were on it. The tracking date it, um, was in 2018. They're saying by 2020, we'll have uh, $77 billion in bet, debt, and in 2023, we'll be close to $95 billion in debt. And which group is this? This is Fact Check Alberta. So uh, there there is no way that they, <laughs> first of all, got a surplus. Um, they said they were. The NDP platform was is that they were going to have a surplus of money of uh, $25 million in 2018 when they got elected in 2015. Oh, that's a lie. They're now sitting at <laughs> okay wow that's uh that's pretty pretty banged. They have um you know considerable amount of debt going in now, I understand that there's also various things that's been going on um and the deficit has yet to be fixed so these are these are yearly uh deficits apparently that they're comparing so uh, cutting a deficit doesn't actually help that much like I'm just spending less than what I promised you. Well, that doesn't actually solve the problem if you're spending still more than you're taking in. You're not, you're not living with your means. Which brings us an interesting thing of fiscal responsibility as a citizen and as a person. If you're somebody who is running around spending credit cards like there is no tomorrow, spending money on credit cards and bank debt and all this other crap like there is no tomorrow which some people absolutely do, and you rack up a ton of money, eventually you have to declare bankruptcy and you lose all your assets and lose a lot of things. And you could lose your house and almost everything you own to pay off debtors. Now, there are some legal ways of getting around, uh, limiting the fallout of that, but that's what happens. It's interesting that government go can go to that point and go beyond it, and people are like, oh, it doesn't matter, we got to pay the teachers, we got to pay the firefighters. And notice that I think that those services can be privatized in a very efficient way, but I'm not against supporting them. Like I'm not saying firefighters shouldn't be paid. I'm saying firefighters should not be paid over like, a ton of money by the government for doing their job. Or we should find a way to um, support them in various other ways, or the government shouldn't be um, blanket backing their pension plan and there's various other things to do i think the private sector is better at dealing with um pensions and and retirement plans for the citizenry and that we don't need to spend fortunes on emergency services that can be inefficient and need efficiencies changed up now maybe we're paying the firefighters too much for their spawn maybe not i not a, that's a, that actually becomes that economic call becomes a moral call because it's like do i want to pay firefighters who risk their lives well, absolutely, they deserve to be compensated, but I don't think that they need to have a. I don't think if you're a firefighter, you deserve hundred grand, hundred plus thousand dollars a year on government funds. I think that we could privatize that and use the home insurance, home and building insurances systems to pay for a lot of firefighting, EMS the same way. Police is police is a lot harder. Because a rule of law needs to be obtained to make sure that the people aren't violating each other's rights, which is a very important thing in a democratic society. Is that you have the right to be who you are, and I don't have the right to come in and tell you you can't be. But you also don't have the right to tell me how to do my job, and by that, and this is a straw. This can be seen as a straw man argument, and I'm not making this claim that this is right. But i think this this is not morally right, but I think that it should not be illegal is that let's say you run a restaurant or let's actually do the uh denver uh bakery let's say you're a Christian baker or a Muslim baker or or a baker for anyone whose religious beliefs that say that um it is a man and woman who get, get married, and it's not a man to man, two men and a girl. Like you know, It's pretty much like marriage is between one man one woman. That's all you believe. You can't have two women married. You can't have uh, two men married. Now, you're not going to say, I'm going to fight the federal government in court and say, I absolutely don't think marriage should be recognized that way. What you are going to say is, I don't want, as a bakery, to make cakes for that. And I, and I should have the right to say, no, you, you absolutely can't. You should be able to say, hey, if a gay couple comes in and is like, listen, I'm not, I, I could even sell you a cake. I'm not going to be providing, working on the ceremony for you. I'm sorry. Here's a bake shop down the street that will absolutely do it and I like it too. But if they come back and say, no, you have to because it's part of the law, like I am also a citizen of this country too. When you start compelling speech, which is what the government can use in coercion, And we see this done on the left and on the right. Let's not forget that both sides try to compel speech that support their endeavors. One thing would be um, conservatives in Alberta would probably like to silence Greenpeace and various environmental groups from having their say. My thing is, if Greenpeace wants to have protests and the Sea Shepherds and various other um, environmental groups want to have their protests in Calgary and in Edmonton and Alberta in general... I have absolutely no problem with, uh, how do I describe this? I have no problem at all with them doing that peacefully. As soon as they're damaging private or government property, and I really put private first because private is worse, because now they're targeting an operation, a business, a citizen, and damaging their property, that's where I draw the line on it. It's like, hey, if you're going to go out and march in the streets with, uh, with placards and, not placards, but you know, with signs and sandwich boards and and banners and stuff like that, and going to protest all the power to you. As soon as you damage somebody, as soon as you start a fire, break a window, flip a, throw a garbage can, uh, intimidate and, you know, threaten people who are uh, doing stuff in, you know, damaging very various um, operations throughout the uh, country, uh, throughout the city that you're in. I de- you definitely have to come to a issue of what the heck is going on here. And you start worrying, hey, is this actually good? If they're damaging property and they're protesting, it's like, well, you, you should definitely be um, more environmental about what you're doing. Like damaging stuff is not a very good uh, system to go on. Now I'm saying this as somebody who is opposing this. So let's let's go back to the main thing about the NDP versus the UCP and how people react, like, and how a Christian, Muslim, or Hindu, or whatever religious institution bakery should be able to say, "No, I'm not serving you for that, and you can't compel me to." Now I don't I don't think that's right. As a business owner, it should be I'm trying to maximize the amount of people want to buy. Now I. But there are cases where, let's say this business is owned by a pastor at a church uh, that does not agree that gay marriage, um, I'm just using gay as as a thing, it could definitely go way far, one way or the other, but let's say it's a church where the pastor believes that gay marriage is a sin. He's not going to go out and actively condemn people who have gay marriage, he's just saying, I don't want to participate in that, and if they entice him to, then now they're violating his rights of religion. So this is my um whole issue where it really comes down upon it is is that you shouldn't the government should not use the rule of law to entice people to believe something. And in fact it should be very carefully um talked about that citizenry that we have we should have our own beliefs and ultimately libertarian is Groups don't matter. It's the individual. If you're, if you're coercing the individual to conform to a group, you have effectively created a tyranny system that will cause damage to populations and to the people who are around it. Because you have put that the individual uh, as less important than the group. And group identity is bad because when people get into groups, they can actually become uh, more violent more aggressive and more destructive if one guy is gonna walk down the street with a baseball bat and beat and smash a uh you know smash a window that's terrible, but you can take care of him he's only one guy if a thousand people do it, you've got a problem with law and order at that point and you have a societal issue that needs to be responded to so I'm going on this and blah 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 and this is going a long way and blah 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 blah. Well, uh, eventually it gets to, like, you know, the government doesn't mandate rights. The government says, hey, you can't violate somebody else's right to live, exist, um, do economic things. But they don't also get to tell you what you can't do either. They don't get to say, hey, he did this, I need him to do this for me. He didn't want to do it, and now I'm compelling him to. And it's just, you know, interesting, interesting, interesting data that we have. So... this all happens and this is a big thing that's going to continue to happen throughout West and we'll have have to grow out of it. It's the stupid teething of like, oh, we got to do this, oh, we got to do this, oh, we got to do this. It's just like, God, can we just, just freaking all get together and not be dicks about it and not be pieces of crap? And I I do want to say that there are groups on both sides that have caused this problem, although you notice it more with the LGBT group. And I I no problem. If you want to be lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, go do it. But you're not gonna get you're not you are not forcing me to say your pronouns. Because that's that's that is a force of government coercion that takes away my freedom of speech. Me not calling you Xur is not off- is not destructive upon your life, but you telling you using the police and the court system to compel me to use Xur is in a way a violation of my civil rights to be an independent person with independent thoughts. So that that's, that's one of the little things, and that's my soapbox I was on. And I, going back to the thing about how people are posting these either long threads or stuff to justify how they're voting, just... Remember the whole the whole reason why democracy is a secret ballot is so that you don't know who voted for who. Now you can definitely put your signs on your front yard, and that's completely your right. And you can also put, you know, post on social media, post videos, stuff. But we really should take stance of the sacredness because what happens if you do that and you're the losing side, and the winning side is a vitriolic uh, group of people who want to harm you? Like let's let's um let's say that. Uh, no, let's just use a an example here of, let's say the NDP wins, and the people who supported the NDP decide, okay, I've won, now I'm going to go and make fun of all my friends who didn't vote my way, or ostracize them, or insult them, or point them out to people. Or use, you know, groupthink to cause them harm. It's like, that is a scary, scary possibility. Now, thankfully, it doesn't happen much in in Canada. You seem to have it more in the United States, but uh, it's also very contrary where it does happen in the United States. It happens in places like New York, LA. It's like very few places. You don't see it all around the world. Um, Gosh. Something must be wrong with uh, Amazon Prime. Because I've been trying to activate my Twitch Prime account. And half the time I log into Amazon, it says, I don't have Amazon Prime. And I know I do because I pay on April 5th. No, I pay on, uh, not April 5th, August 5th. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> it, it, it's an annoying thing I've been trying to do. So there's that. And, you know, we shouldn't use government force to coerce and, co- and conform populations to fit our things. so if, if Jason Kenney and his people win they shouldn't go like on this victory tour like oh we won everybody get in line I'm in charge now it should be it should be we had an election populations voted this is what the population the majority of that voting population no I do say the majority of that voting population not the majority the majority of that voting population of the vote not the majority of the population um, because we may only got 57 <coughs> so, excuse me we may only get 57% voter turnout, which is terrible. We really should have close to 90%. Because that way, you have a much better scope of how the population thinks. Now, let's say 57% vote, we still get the UCP winning with like 40, like with 58% of the vote. That's still only like 27% of the population. But let's say you get 90% out and the UCP wins with 80% of the vote. That's an outstanding... Now, of course, that can also lead to tyranny of the majority but, and ostracization based on people saying, like, well, I know you voted, and I know... And, like, all our group vote. We all vote the same way. Like, that's... That's something I, I learned um, in, high, in high school is not to entice people to tell you how they're voting. Nor should you guilt them into doing it or do anything like, oh, you you voted this way and try to, like, intimidate them. Like, you need to vote this way. It should be, hey, man, have you uh, looked at their platform? Oh, you have? And you don't think it, disag- it agrees with you? All right, cool. Um, vote how you want. It shouldn't be, um, oh, Jason, human rights are better than the economy and people who vote for Jason Kenney are fuckers and stuff like that. Like, that's, that really lowers the level of discourse and, like, the quality of discussion, For democracies to survive, we need to be willing to have very uh, intense and very high-level debates about what we're talking about. If it's just going to be name-calling, then what's the point in engaging with each other? And we we absolutely know that, and we've seen that um, embarrassingly enough through um, the late term of uh, President Barack Obama of the United States through to... Donald Trump and how the left and right there, how the, 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 conservative groups, um, the Republicans and Democrats have basically gone on to this uh, liar, Mueller, ah, Mueller did this and ah, Trump did this. And like, you know, just yelling back and forth and saying like, racist, bigot, oh, you're a socialist. It's like, they're not really getting anywhere. Cause they're not saying, Hey, let's you and me, let's sit down and see where, where are their spots? In our beliefs, or in our political beliefs, and ideologies, where we are idiots, and we can work together to try to make a better society. Let's let's find those crossover points. Let's let's get a nice little uh, Venn diagram going here and find those crossover points that we're having. And and see where we can improve society on those stuff. Now, maybe I have to go and be with my group because we might have more votes than you in the government, and we may get my way better. But there could be a way of us saying, hey, we understand you're concerned about that. We're not doing this to F with you. Now, sometimes you have to, but we'd like your input and talk about it in these discussions. And I'm not saying you have to have everybody involved. You don't need to. If there's one Green Party member who's just like no oil, and uh, the conservative group and the NDP group are like, well, we obviously need oil. We don't need you because you've already made your point clear. Clear. You don't think about anything about oil. And if we talk to you about clean oil, you're like, no, 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 no oil, no oil. There should be no oil. O- only solar panels. Only that. And you know, Calgary having the most amount of sunny days of all of of Canada. the Solar panels are theoretically the most useful here, but even then we aren't that effective on it because snow and various temperature changes do have a higher degree of damage, uh, increase the wear and tear on the solar panels. So that's how I'm going to it. Um, You know, I got to get off my soapbox here, but eventually citizens of Alberta, we shouldn't be fighting in these groups. We need to think of each other as individuals, as individual citizens that we are of this great province, of this great country, of Canada and we need to work together in some way. We need to or at least we need to get to the point of understanding that we don't all hold the same value system and same beliefs. And there are places we can come and agree on, and there are places we can come and debate on, but we should not descend into violence, vitriol, and name-calling and, and shouting at each other. And I've guilt I'm guilty of some of this myself, of you know, calling NDP socialist. Like oh, at least a socialist. I've definitely said that in private conversations. I mean, I, I she doesn't line up with my political standings. Does that make her a bad person? No, no. I I just I think that Notley. Now I'm going to go into a thing, so I'm going to stop that. There is that. There are things that Notley has done that has annoyed me as premier. Does that mean that Rachel Notley, the individual, has annoyed me? Eh, probably not. She started campaigning early, but that was more for Rachel Notley, the politician, not Rachel Notley, the individual person. So I need to separate those two. And again, it's like, you know, I could go to a bar and have a drink with Barack Obama, even though I don't drink alcohol. I could go and be with him. I have very strong disagreements with him. Does it mean I want anything bad to happen to him? Absolutely not. People who I disagree with, I still wish them the best of success in their life and hope that they can live a long, luxurious uh, life where they don't have to worry about food, shelter, uh, their families taken care of. And I understand from the Canadian standpoint of why socialistic uh, policies look so nice because it's like, I don't want anyone to go without. Sometimes it's easier, uh, though there is the idea of um, we're helping hurts. And sometimes if you give too much out, that's always there. You have to say, are we really helping you um, change your situation? Are there some people that there is nothing you can do and they need support all the way through life? But there are some people who are down on their luck. And sometimes giving them a handout through welfare isn't the best thing. For some people, it is. For some other people, it isn't. And it's this thing of how we're eventually getting in, med- in the medical world, we're seeing how everything's becoming much more of an individualized plan to treat you and your illnesses. I think we have to get to the point of, um approaching that with how to help each other is that we're all individuals. All of our situations are unique. Um, even if it could be we're living in the same building, have, working at a, two different companies that do the exact same job. We're one month apart in age only. But our personalities could be completely different. Our mindsets could be completely different. Our plans of life can be completely different, which means that a solution that might work for me And my issues, even if I like almost, even if it was, if the person next to me was a clone who was one month younger than me, if he had a different set of interests instead of like podcasting and playing video games, if his interests were woodworking and building log cabins and stuff like that, he's gonna need a different set of health where his issues are gonna be. Maybe he's not suffering from depression, maybe he uh, suffered a workplace injury. Maybe he is, uh, maybe he just hasn't got the, um, maybe he's got eye problems that makes it harder for him to make sure that the, you know, the tools he's using are effective and he's making the good cuts, he, the cuts in the wood he needs to make. You know, again, we need to look at this world, uh, all the issues of the world need to be addressed closer to individuality than it is. And and I'll finish off with, again, like, I don't want any of this i won you lost bullshit no matter which side wins this election. Which side comes out ahead? I shouldn't use wids. Comes out uh, with a larger party. And I don't know uh, what it is. I do know at some point the Calgary Herald or the CBC projected, like, 95% an NDP. uh, No, not an NDP. A UCP majority. I don't know. I don't know if they'll hold up or not. I know that economically the UCP is better for the province right now, and I personally don't think that they are going to start dialing back on civil uh, legal rights. I don't think that, and I don't think they can because the federal government largely retains that retains that. I like the province of Alberta can't tell um, who can get married and who can't. I think it's just a. I think the federal uh, Human Rights Charter affects all that. So there are. There are these measures of, like, oh, Jason Kenney gets elected. He's going to take the gays away or, like, restrict their rights. Like, the federal government would sue the province of Alberta, and the federal government has a pretty damn good legal team, especially after all of the lawsuits they've won against the province of British Columbia with regards to a pipeline, which still isn't built, but they've won every single decision. So I think that in court... It gets pretty obvious that most of the, uh, most of the federal government lawyers and, and legal teams are pretty much for the maximum amount of rights people can get. And the only time they seem to really fight against that is uh, health care because the government subsidizes it and it's become a massive sector and also a voting block for uh, political parties and firearms because Canada just seems to be uh, a country that just wants to be over peaceful and granted we don't have a lot of crime related to firearms. So maybe there's that. Maybe there's also just a culture of us being more of like guns are a dangerous tool that needs to be taken care of. It could be the difference between how we in Canada glorify guns as a method of shooting for hunting and self-defense and respecting how dangerous they are versus the United States, uh, where even though and gun crime is decreasing in both countries, um, so the trend is still there, uh, but we see that how in the U.S. news media, how it's mass murder, mass shooting, mass like they really, really like it will do fill stadium up for town halls talking about policies and who can we blame. And I'll give credit to, to New Zealand, how it was pretty much like there was some political backlash for the first week after it happened. But now like, the like the trial is going on for the guy. They're not saying his name. They were not releasing a lot of information about. It. They're not spending time going on this worldwide victory of oh we we banned semi-automatic weapons. They're sort of just like well that's what we did. We'll see how that ban actually effectively works because apparently a very small percentage of people ha- uh, like a very like 250 guns were given in uh, according to Reason magazine on Friday, <laughs> which was. April, uh, April fifth. So the ban hasn't worked like everyone thinks it is, and it's very expensive to buy firearms back, and it's ex- even more expensive to uh, send police t- to homes, uh, to firearms groups that it may you know you don't know if somebody's registered a gun or not. Like in Canada, why the gun registry is no longer around is for the idea of if the government tried to soak up and confiscate weapons, they could send police. Now that's a very, very, very logistically very hard to do, and the Australia fire event uh, weapons ban never even went to that far. But blah blah blah, let's get out of that. So that's that's my sense on politics. Anyway, let's go on to non-political news. Borderlands Three was announced, and I have had a desire uh, prior to Borderlands Three being announced to play Borderlands One and Two again. So my plan is to eventually play those two games again on PC. And I have OBS working, so I could potentially record that and post it to a YouTube channel or something like that. I'm, I'm thinking of making a proper YouTube channel and getting a proper stuff like that. I did today finally get a proper email address for Stories in the CRISPR drawer on JAWS Consortium. And that will be linked in the uh, description of this uh, episode so you guys can send emails to it but really don't send a lot because it is like send send questions and responses and comments respectfully Uh, don't be dicks Uh, it's it's more meant for fun like this podcast is meant for fun eventually I do plan to monetize it in some way or find some way I can make uh, money on it but my plan is to still have like light humor like not taking things too seriously not being aggressive and it's it does, like, when it goes to that point, it will be much more of the interviews, more like uh, the Steven and Nick episodes and stuff like that. Like, you know, my friends, I do want them on it and Jeff and my brother and various other institutions, like, not institutions, but people. I do want more people on uh, than that. But it will be an interesting um, dilemma to get into, an interesting event. We'll see how it goes. Um, but... I would really like to do it. And I am looking at getting video cameras. Uh, I already have one video camera. I'm trying to figure out, is there a way... Um, and I'm looking at getting a recording deck... Uh, and a live uh, media... Uh, video A video switcher, so I could have four sources going in... And I could switch between them. So, like having my PlayStation 4 playing through my TV... And also being able to put that into the stream... As well as a live cam of myself... And maybe another device or two sourcing. So... It'll be interesting to see if I can do that. Um, That's my hope. I hope to have a video live stream going for... um, If I can't do it for the provincial election, I will definitely do it for the federal election that's happening this year. I will go all out for that, just because I want to have fun with it. And the thing is, like, the federal election, it'll be a small screen watching the CBC or the CTV or a global news page or TV show of that on, and me yelling playing video games and maybe friends here, like, you know, playing Borderlands uh, 3 or playing um duck game or playing pro force or something like that like that's the goal is like we'll play a fun yeah, fun game that is completely not serious and just making fun of the times meanwhile a serious event happens and I'm commenting on it every once in a while like holy shit look who won that riding Fuck that and you know that that would be my goal that's my goal is to just have fun with this and anyway so going back like <laughs> uh Borderlands 3 was announced it, as I said earlier and how it's uh you know it, it's going to be on PlayStation 4 it's going to be on the PC it's going to be on the Xbox 3 uh Xbox 1 sorry <laughs> why am i saying Xbox 360 i'm making a few issues today but um the interesting thing coming out is that it's decided to be an Epic uh store exclusive for 6 months 6 months isn't too bad uh probably by the time it's able to transition to St- Steam and other uh sources most of the DLC will either be in the works or will start being launched, and those won't be exclusive to the Epic Store. But it is a it is a thing where the Epic Store. We're seeing a fragmentation in the digital distribution services of both video games and TV shows, like Netflix, Amazon Prime. Like we're seeing all these services separate and not separate, but like the contents being carved out, like Disney and Fox making their streaming service, Universal and Sony probably going to want to do theirs. Huh? You know, and when you see these walled gardens being put up where information like set parts are only in set ones like you can only get uh this guy from this and this from this and this from this and let's say you've gotten a uh, a lot of things you want to have part in like you want you want to watch uh jack ryan on amazon but you also want to watch uh um, um triple front frontier on um on Netflix, and you also want to watch uh, something on Crave, and you want to watch something on on Funimation or Crunchyroll, or you know, you got all these, and you got tons of these things. And then you eventually, like you know, you have the Netflix account that's thir- that's gone up in price, and then all of a sudden, bam, Disney pulls all and Fox pulls all their stuff. So now it's like, oh, half the reason I want to be on this is now all of a sudden gone, and uh, it does pr- bring about uh, the rise of potential that piracy rates will rise. I don't know how much they will rise, but I know that the reason why piracy rates fell when uh, places like GOG and Steam took over and why Netflix became is because you gave me a a good product at an f- adequate price, like a price I wasn't willing to protest, and it was always there. Once you start carving that up and making me pay more for less, so it's like, oh, I'm going to pay 14 bucks a month for Netflix, but half the library I wanted is now at the Disney Fox, which I pay 10 bucks a month for, whereas before I paid 12 bucks a month and had almost all of it, you're going to start seeing people be like, well, frick, I'd rather, like, I'll pay for the one I support and go find another way to get the stuff I don't support. Like, you know, the, the group that has something you only want to watch once or twice, like, I only watch, want to watch that one series, and I don't want to pay a yearly, a monthly subscription to something that I may only watch once, in one go, like I might binge watch one series on Netflix and never come back, and then like four years later, it's like okay, fine, I want to do it again. But you're not going to want to continuously pay twelve to fourteen bucks a month on Netflix for something you may only run twice a month, twice a year, maybe. Same with um, now now th- how this is going is, is the Epic Store has B- Borderlands Three as an exclusive, and it, Steam is the <laughs> almighty king of. Of video games on PC. Like Steam is the king. Valve also needs to take ownership that they are the king of that and they need to clean up their platform and make it more useful on finding stuff because it, it is a hot mess in various ways. It's convenient though, which is why it's worked out so well. Now people don't like that they have to download new launchers and it is an inconvenience. Yeah, and there are some, and some of them aren't as feature complete as others. There's so like Epic doesn't have um the refund policy, doesn't have a shopping cart. According to Jim Sterling <laughs> and that, but <laughs> it's six months before Borderlands 3 comes out. I'm not planning uh it's about five months now, almost. Um I'm really not in, in the mood to download uh like I'm I'm looking at the FX store and I you know, it their launcher installs Fortnite, okay, that's annoying, but I don't really have a plan to play Fortnite. Like I, that game doesn't entice me, but it's annoying to would install. But I think there's a way around that now, or at least they're accepting that. But Fortnite's giving them money hand over the fist, and eventually they, if they could make their store in the few months, they if they can follow their roadmap, which is really funny. They have a roadmap they didn't start working on prior to with like getting a shopping cart up or a refunding system or reviews, a user review system, which. Is good. That's one good thing about Steam is that their user reviews. The one bad thing about it is, is that you can meta bomb and uh, just like uh, cr- like you know review bomb stuff you don't like because something. Which is what happened to Borderlands Two on Steam is that it got review bombed right after if it came out as an Epic Store exclusive. So there are petty ways of people acting in these various things. I get it. I get it. I don't like it. Like I, I'm a guy who I I. Have I left a review for anything in my life? Uh I think the only reviews I've left were at places where um it was at li- it was at uh it wasn't digital services. I have not re- reviewed a digital service or an item I've bought from let's say Amazon or something like that. Uh what I do know is uh at places where I've had physical services with people, so like I went to Battlefield Vegas, I have left a review at Battlefield Vegas about um how good the attendance were when we were there. Like how because I thought they de- they definitely deserve the respect and, you know, they, it, it it helps them and it also promotes the business, which I went and supported and I had a good time. And I thought like, well, the, the, our, the range safety officer who was with us was ex- extremely friendly, extremely nice, uh, showed us amazing things. Like, you know, it, it was f and awesome. Like, that's just really cool to be able to do that. And, you know, this guy took us to the safe in the back and showed us a bunch of guns, like. They don't do that as much because they 'cause they're they've been much more busy now that they've um increased their store and most of the times Dad and I have gone to Vegas, we've been there in conferences, so you know, luck to be us to actually go there and not be surrounded by tons and tons of people doing the same damn thing and we want to do. And of course, like people do go places to experience different things. But that that's the thing is like my only reviews have always been like, hey, did the service that I went there to pay for do I enjoy it and like it? Like you know. And I'm just not that kind of guy. I know some people who are. They want to review everything. It's like I got to give a four out of five on this. I got to get a three out of t- three out of six on this. Like uh, five out of ten on this. Blah, blah blah. There are some people who that is really important too. And I get it from like if I'm buying a product on Amazon, it is nice to see reviews. But I know reviews can be spoofed too. And Amazon, Amazon doesn't go out of their way to like stop spoofed reviews from taking over. They do a bit, but they don't stop at wholesale. So there's that and. Yeah. You know, it, it's annoying that we're seeing this um, fragmentation of digital goods uh, through various storefronts in various locations, needing Uplay, needing Origin, needing the Epic Store to play some stuff, needing Steam, uh, GOG, uh, Activision will probably launch theirs, Bethesda tried to do theirs, it's like, you know, do we need 50 different launchers to play video games, so it looks like we might. Um, I also I do think that eventually there will be a form of not exclusivity of the titles, but maybe they'll be. Maybe what they might do is they might make benefits on platforms. But again, I hope that they don't do um, like how uh, Steam with the Halo Wars uh, Definitive Edition on Steam can't cross play with the ones who were bought on the Windows Store. Like, that's disappointing to me. That's disappointing to me. So, this is my. That's where I'm coming at it from. I understand. Um, why some companies are doing it. like Epic is, they really do want a storefront that's worth bringing people in and by paying and having, uh, you know, buying these timed exclusivities and giving the publishers and the developers more of the cut, it is enticing. So from a business perspective, it's not that bad. It really depends on, do I sell in the Epic store and get 20, get uh, and pay them only 12% royalties for 100,000 gamers or do I put it on Steam where I pay 30% But I have 40 million people buying. It becomes a math game. But eventually, um, if you're like uh, Borderlands 3 and Take-Two Interactive, which it turns out is going to be... Is that Take-Two or 2K? I forget. I think it's 2K. Um, It's Take-Two. Whoever the publisher is for Gearbox, it looks like... It's a time-exclusive. Six months. Six months isn't too bad. It's a little annoying... But it's not too bad. I mean, it could be worse. It could be like how Destiny was on the Xbox 1 and PlayStation or or no, how PUBG was on uh one way before the other. It's like, oh, that's that's savage. Oh, that's not nice. And we are under that cross-play is going to become a bigger thing going forward because we're basically buying microcomputers to play video games on our consoles. It's where they have always been, but now they're even closer to it than ever. They're using USB-based peripheral systems with Bluetooth connected um, <laughs> controllers. It's, they are computers just with fancy shells and uh, firmware that makes sure they only run what they want, what the pro- program is. So let's finish up that. um, That's that story done. And I finally updated my beast, my behemoth of a gaming rig to Windows 10. And I bought a Windows 10 home license key because I thought like, you know, I, I skipped the free update. Turns out that I had gotten in the free update uh, prior to before I stopped it from installing Windows 10. I got a Windows 10 Pro key with that. Now i'm gonna keep my key uh for windows home pro uh Windows 10 home because you know, once something happens I need to rebuild that computer or which or I'm gonna be building a new pc this year anyway so now I've got a license key already ready to go and I can download the media creation tool very quickly and and run with that so you know that's 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 cool yeah you know, it's it's 200 bucks but i'm not gonna like fly off the handle. guy will refund this, refund this, refund this. Because it might be beneficial for me to keep it, considering I am going to build my own PC soon. And I might build another one. Who knows? And uh yeah, as I said, I'm uh I will be making an episode on the sixteenth for sure about the election. Um I'm considering doing a YouTube uh no no considering doing um, getting my brother's uh, webcam and running it off of my PC downstairs, yelling at the TV, where it would just be the webcam would just be me, or like, you know, getting Alcat as uh, um, HDMI to, um, you know, video camera, uh, you know, their USB 3 to HDMI, um, 100 and so uh, uh, it's like $120 uh, dongle. Uh, getting, potentially getting that to live stream myself from my PC, bringing it downstairs and seeing if that works. Um, using OBS, like I, I'm investigating that. My plan is is that to have a fully functional system in by by fall at the latest, probably in spring, uh, probably at the end of spring or in the start of summer to get a system up and running where we can start doing video shoots, where we can start posting on live stream, we can start putting on, putting stuff on BitChute, we can start putting stuff in various other uh, distribution platforms and, you know, do video uh, podcasts and, you know, stuff like that. It really depends, because some of my friends may not want to have their faces on this, which is perfectly fine, in which case we'll go to audio. Um, some people would be perfectly fine doing stuff. Uh, it really depends on the talk. Like, maybe we'll, we'll be doing... Uh, absolutely nothing but playing video games, in which case nobody really cares what each other looks like. Um, doing podcasts about political stuff might actually uh, care based on, you know, somebody's job. Things to look into. And <clears throat> as I said, we did get an email address. Uh, it'll be in the description below uh, for those who want to try. <laughs> sending an email to it is uh, SFTCD, Stories from the CRISPR Drawer. So just the, the first letter of them an the acronym at JawsConsortium.com. If you want to send an email to that, uh, you know, question, comment, uh, maybe even a topic I could think of out covering. Uh, no, if you sent me a topic, I'd have to research it. and I may not research it that great, so <laughs> keep in mind, I'll do what I can. Uh, next thing, next, uh, there is a games night on April fourteenth, so I'll see from the guys if they want to record any of that. I'm also playing around with um, the. Let me just look it up. The uh, it's a free video editing software. Um, I think it's called One Shot. I just want to make sure about that. Oh no, it's Open Shot. Open Shot video editor. So I decided to download that, and I've been playing around with it. it. It's it's free. It's an open source. And I think the thing is, we're noticing that I. Um, now I I get why people are buying Adobe, I get why people are buying Final Cut Pro. I I get all those systems because they do come with a lot of um elements that are pre-added in, that are pre-built that are very high grade. But if you're a guy who if um but the problem is those are locked down. And you have to pay for add-ons. And for somebody like me who I'm not a big production hub yet. I could learn how to do it. I, it would have to be a hobby over my two jobs plus this, plus playing games. It's a, it would be a lot of work. It would be cool to learn a lot of that stuff. But I think the benefit is from open source is that I can choose where I'm going to put my energy on this on. And um, open source also gives me the thing of I can search for people who are doing stuff. I can pay for somebody to build me a custom designed r- uh, system or a plugin for my stuff if I feel like I need it. So you know, I' just plugging that'cause i I've only been playing around with it for about two days, and i've been it's it's interesting there's some quirks on it, in it, but it the guy who's doing it definitely has the heart into it, and you know if you if you're video editors, try to just try it out and maybe throw them a few bucks uh to help them do it i'm I'm gonna sign up to support them on patreon in some way, shape or form very quickly um as with the libertarian memes and forgotten weapons and in range and all that other stuff and i am just been, it's been fun, busy, but fun. And hopefully I get four episodes out this month and I keep doing three or four episodes a month after that. I've said that three times. This is the fourth episode and I've not done that. This is the fourth episode for the fourth month and this is the fourth month of the year. So things have been really, really slow and that's mostly my fault, but also my business, uh, other stuff going on, you know, working two jobs I'm connecting with people I, and I'm not really pushing this in my friends. Like how come and be a guest on it? But hopefully I change that in the future. I got a few people I would love to have on and I got some gear I got to buy now. And this is really a hobby. That's just like, can I do it? And I think it's been doing pretty well. Uh, one of my friends is starting to listen to it. So when he gets to hear, Hey, shout out to you, man. Shout out to you, Brett. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, that's about it. Uh, This episode was Krilled Salmon and Rice Warriors um, recorded on April 7th, 2019. Thank you for listening and tune in next time when we decide to go. Hopefully on April 14th, but maybe on April 16th. We'll see who wins the federal, the provincial election. And we will definitely cover the federal election once we know when that is. Anyway, uh, also, um, I may as well plug this in my website, jossconsortium.com, uh, I'm going to contact my friend who helped build that, and I'm going to see if, um, A, he wants to come on this podcast. I know he's perfectly willing to, because he's been on uh, older ones that he used to do a few times. But also, um, just to get um, some advice from him about various other things. Anyway, um, have yourself a good day, a good week, good month. If you're not in Alberta, not in Canada, well, you know, keep having fun, too, and you know, all the best. And thank you, thank you for listening. It's a it's a humbling experience if people listen to this. And when I see my numbers, it's kind of like wow, people people do listen to this besides from me. <laughs> so yeah, that's about it. Um, yeah, you know, let's let's hope that uh, going forward we don't become a us versus them society. Just throwing that in as a little political thing at the end. Um, bye.